So, as you must have heard from the last few episodes, Julia and I no longer live in the same accommodation. Julia is back in Germany, while I am in England. And this is obviously because of the coronavirus pandemic that has hit the world. And this pandemic in many ways did put a stop to many of our plans. Yeah, we even had a climate change documentary watch party planned, which obviously won't be happening now, at least not the way we've planned it. So we decided to do a little bit of a virtual film club and share four of our favorite climate movies with you. Hello and welcome to Two Minutes to Midnight, a global podcast for a global problem. I'm Ayushi Shah. And I'm Julia Brunner. Okay, Julia. So, what is the first movie that we're talking about today? Yeah, so my first pick is An Inconvenient Truth, The Planetary Emergency of Global Warming and What We Can Do About It by Al Gore. If you look at the 10 hottest years ever measured, they've all occurred in the last 14 years. And the hottest of all was 2005. It's about Al Gore, who is a former United States vice president, um, and his campaign to educate people about global warming. So he was touring through different states in the US and had like presentations and town halls that kind of reminded me like TED Talks with presentations and everything. Um, And it's, I mean, it's from 2006, so it's compared to other documentaries rather um, old, but it's still gold, <laughs> saying like that. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like at a time where, like for me, I was rather young when I watched it. So it was in school, maybe eighth or ninth grade. And it was the first documentary about climate change that I've ever seen. So I think that's why it's really special for me still. So, yes, it is the first documentary that you've seen on climate change. And it is super special for that reason. But... Is there anything in the documentary that made it stick with you? Um, I think what really stayed with me was uh, the style that they filmed the documentary. Like like I said earlier, it's a little bit like a TED talk. But in between, you, you kind of see his presentation full screen or video segments of um, melting ice, for example, or rising sea levels, CO2, um, ozone layers. So um, for me at that age, it was really interesting to see because, like I said, I've never seen anything like that before at that point. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it, it really stuck with me. And I, I remember coming out of that lesson, I was like really feeling pumped and like, OK, now I have to I have to save the climate. Uh, I have to save the planet. I have to do something. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really nice. Just having this feeling. Uh-huh. And you saw the trailer again today and you told me it gave you goosebumps. Yes, I mean, as preparation for this episode, I rewatched it. And I mean, it's from 2006, so 14 years ago. And everything that Al Gore talks about in a documentary is kind of happening all over the world right now. Like we, we're seeing climate refugees, record hot summers. I mean, just this morning I was listening to the radio and in the news they announced this, that this April in Germany has been the driest in roughly 140 years, which is just... It's massive because I remember April 
was always this month that's so unpredictable because normally you, you can have like a thunderstorm and let's say snow in the morning and then 25 to 30 degrees Celsius in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So you, you can never predict what will happen. But now, like yesterday was the first time it rained and it's like at the end of the month and it's just not normal. Wow. So Al Gore was the sort of like futuristic, could predict the future kind of guy. Does that give you chills? Knowing. I mean, not even... Not even that, because, um, I mean, he's also a politician. Like I said, he was a former vice president and he actually ran for presidency in, I think, if I remembered correctly, in 2000 against Bush. But due to the voting system in the USA, he didn't win, although he had the majority vote, but um, Bush won. So sometimes, I mean, it makes me wonder, like, what if what if Al Gore would have won? I mean, obviously, he, he's big in uh, as a climate activist, what if he would have won, like, the presidency? What would the US and, and even the world look like right now, you know? So, Ayushi, what's the first movie you picked today for us? Uh, the first movie I've picked is called uh, Minimalists. And it's a documentary uh, where you follow the story of these two guys who call themselves the Minimalists. And uh, living with less is kind of their forte. There's nothing wrong with consumption. The problem is compulsory consumption. We're tired of it. We're tired of acquiring things because that's what we're supposed to do. When I heard about minimalism. So they live the life that they preach. And this movie follows their journey, you know, as they travel across the country to promote their book. Uh, which again, not surprisingly, is majorly on minimalism. And it's it's this kind of very interesting thing where uh, both of them have grown up poor and then they, you know, they, they sort of reach a point in life where they have enough money and then they go back to giving most of the stuff that that money buys, you know, up because they realize that's not what makes it makes them happy. Uh, it's not like a very directly environmental film, but it does talk about the American culture of consumerism and questions it in a very, very humane way that you and I can relate to. And that is why I feel like it still counts under the genre because it, it does address one big environmental problem, which is consumerism. Is there any specific part that you would say that really sticked out to you or that even inspired you? Like, are you, are you a minimalist now? Uh, I'm not a minimalist for sure, but it, it definitely some parts stayed with me, you know, like, for example, the concept of minimalism itself, you know, like, like, they didn't make it sound like this completely out of reach concept for anybody, you know, who's living their lives in whatever ways. So for me, that was really great. Because I remember there was this one scene where, um, uh, you know, there was this guy who really liked books and he was just like, I don't want to part with them. You know, they make me very happy. And these guys were there to, you know, like sort of create this like haul the house up a little bit and change it and make it more minimalistic. And kind of like the Marie Kondo cleanup. Yes. Before Marie Kondo <laughs> was a thing. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. They, they were the real Marie Kondos. And uh, yeah, and then these guys go like, but you don't have to throw these books out because they clearly spark, like in quotation, and spark so much joy to you. So I think that for me was very interesting to sort of understand the distinction between, you know, like not going from one extreme to the other, you know, like from consuming too much to not consuming at all, but finding that good, right, sweet balance. 
Yeah, right. But would you say that, like, why why did this documentary stick with you? Like you said, you're not a minimalist now, but why did it stick with you? I think because it made me sort of like I could wrap the idea around it. It didn't feel far-fetched, like I said. And at the same time, it felt so doable because there are things that I sort of stick by even today, you know, like, like question what you're buying a little bit. Keep what really, really gives you joy and happiness around you. So maybe that's why it did stick out to me. Nice. And would you say, especially at the moment with um, many people either being in lockdown situation due to the coronavirus outbreak or just not being able to go out that much, would you say that people can watch this movie and even like use what they show like with minimalism at a time right now? Yeah, which is why I think, which is also one of the reasons why I recommended the film, you know, like, I think it's a great, great time to watch this movie, to declutter, to to re-question some of your habits, you know, like, without without feeling too overwhelmed, because we're all at home, and it's a, it's a great time to look around and see what makes you happy. Okay, Julia, it's time for film number two. What is the movie? Tell us. Yeah, so the movie is called Tomorrow. And uh, it's another documentary. About three years ago, Sarah came to me when I was pregnant and told me about this study. It said that my son would grow up in a world where food, water, and oil will be hard to find. I was running a nonprofit when we met. How could we tell people about what we'd heard when they're already fed up with catastrophes? And how could we tell millions of people? We had to do something. That's basically what it's about. So, um, like two French filmmakers that researched and heard what the possible future of their child would look like, which is not a positive thing. So they went out into the world and tried to find um, solutions for a better future for their child. Um, so for me, this documentary, it, it can kind of like, it keeps inspiring me even now. And there are so many topics that they cover that I also want to explore with this podcast. I think I've told you about this movie so much we still haven't managed to watch it together <laughs> we will have to do it in a watch party seriously because it's it's just so good and it's like with other documentaries or with other movies especially about topics surrounding climate change and a climate catastrophe most of them are rather doomy or just like focus on the negative aspects of it but tomorrow really is about solutions I love that. And I know you've told me a lot about this documentary before as well. And uh, uh, Julia and I used to live together and she's in Germany now because of coronavirus. So that plan was on hold, but we will definitely like, I think this, this film has been very important to you in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I watched it when I had an internship in Berlin and we went to a kind of sustainable documentary film festival and this was one of the movies that they showed and from all the movies that I saw that day this is the one that really stayed with me because it's just like like I said earlier a lot of other documentaries are more focused on um, okay basically we're all gonna die <laughs> but this one really is about like private people big and small companies but also villages and whole cities and what they're doing so it, it kind of at least showed to me that really everyone can do something good for themselves and for the planet as a whole no matter what like how small the thing that you're doing is so i mean they gave insights in farming methods like permaculture to an alternative to monoculture waste recycling in california which was really impressive to me and 
alternative governing methods in India and so on. So for me, it's definitely a must watch. That's great. And is there any specific part that stood out for you in the movie? I think the most interesting thing for me was definitely the part about permaculture, where they went, oh, where did they go? I think it was either an island or somewhere on mainland France, because the person they interviewed, he was speaking in French. I can remember that because I don't speak French, even though I live very close to France. I'm sorry, French people. Um, <laughs> Because it was so interesting to see the way that they farmed their land, which was compared to those big farms, rather small, but they made like 10 times the amount of food that big farms made on, on bigger acres, let's say like that. Because the way they planted their plants was just like that they supported each other, like they had um, grapes and underneath them were tomatoes. And I think the guy explained it that way that... Uh, grapes gave shade to the tomato plants and also like that the water sometimes dropped down from the leaves and that also supported the tomato and the other way around it was really interesting to see how you can use and plant different plants and how they support and sustain each other and that you can actually make more food that way than with monoculture. It's really interesting, Julia. <laughs> and I mean, you have a garden in your backyard as well. So did you implement any of that? Is it possible to do that? I mean, yes, it is possible. I mean, I'm not really that much allowed in the garden. Like it's my mother's baby, <laughs> technically. <laughs> I mean, sometimes she's like, okay, this is what I'm doing here. So help me with that. But mostly it's my mother's baby. But I asked her about it actually. And she was like, yeah, that's why she plants like carrots and onions together because apparently there is a, a moth or some fly that kind of eats the carrot leaves, but it doesn't like the, the smell of the onion. So that's why she plants them next to each other. So the smell of the onion will keep the moth away from the carrots, which is just like so cool if you think about it. You don't need pesticides to keep the, to keep the moth away. You can just use an onion. Okay. And okay, considering we're all again in quarantine and it, it's been hard, you know, like with so much grim news. Do you, do you think it's a good, hopeful quarantine watch? Yes, I can definitely recommend it to people, especially when they're sitting in quarantine right now. Because, like I said, it's, it's about a solution and it, it gives you hope for a better future because um, it really shows what people are doing even now to make the world a better place. And I mean, there, there are things that you can use at home also. If you're not like, if you can't go outside and Sometimes there are small things that you can do inside or even maybe plan now, but implement later when hopefully this whole quarantine and Corona thing is over. So what is, what is your next movie, Ayushi? Uh, the next movie I'm going to be talking about is called Chasing Coral. Most people stare up into space with wonder. Yet we have this almost alien world on our own planet, just teeming with life. And it's this film uh, which focuses on coral bleaching. It happens when, you know, the ocean temperatures rise because of human activities, mostly. And uh, what happens is when the ocean water becomes very, very warm, these corals, like, start to die off and... Um, I think we all know how important corals are, you know, for not only the ocean's ecosystem, but the entire world in general right now. 
and uh, what is really interesting again is that this film was shot over a couple of years you know and again like they take you on a journey so you see like things falling and failing and getting back and you know like them spending like a year like building a camera and then placing it there only to realize that the camera is not working or has taken footage out of it so it it breaks your heart and but but you watch the entire thing it, like you're invested from minute one you know and that's what the film is about yeah corals and uh, how important they are and what is happening to them in the world right now that sounds really interesting but also really important i remember we went to a talk together about corals Why would you say that this movie especially stick with you? Uh so it was 2017 and I was going through my documentary phase. I was watching documentaries of all kinds and um this one stuck with me because it I think it because of like the amount of things it made me feel like after the movie was over I just wanted to research more, look more and there is a website that they built as well, you know, where you can just go and learn more about um corals and it's it's it has the same name as the movie uh so i think it it stuck around because of the sheer uh, passion of the filmmaker because he was an ex advertising guy and fun fact you know he he had fundraised for this movie the crew spent so much time they outsourced like so much footage 500 people like sort of helped and volunteered to make this film a success and it shows in every single minute of the film you know and you see the devastation in front of your eyes because like it's literally the bleaching is happening over the course of this film how did you get out of this film like with, with what kind of feeling like were you more like hopeful or like do you think that we still have a chance to stop or even slow down coral bleaching after watching this documentary uh I think I was definitely heartbroken when I watched it but I felt so many other things it was like a cocktail of emotions like it started from like you realize there's a sense of urgency it ends on a slightly more hopeful note where you know the guy just encourages you to read more about what is happening um an interesting fact I I think more like in a very interesting scene that stuck with me was that um you had these divers who wanted to reach this one part of the great barrier reef in australia to shoot um the film and you know they had to cross this deck of like party like a party boat to gain access to that section and for me that that scene itself was like a little microscope into humanity because you have people who care and want to go there you have people who are just like like sort of littering away and you have people who are blissfully unaware that a few meters away is where like a whole reef is dying so yeah that 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 sort of like was very interesting for me and also a little bit sad And this brings us to the tips for episode 8. Naturally, these tips are of varying intensities, so depending on where you are on your climate journey, you can follow them. Tip number 1, watch the documentaries mentioned in this episode. Tip number 2, declutter your home, become more minimalistic. Tip number 3, read Al Gore's book An Inconvenient Truth: The Planetary Emergency of Global Warming and What We Can Do. It's a brilliant insight into what Our planet is right now and where we're going. Thank you for listening to 2 Minutes to Midnight. Do follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 2 Minutes to Midnight podcast for the latest updates on the show and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from.